Hello all and welcome to Accidental Careers, the podcast where we talk to people about their jobs. Was the path there windy? Were they jobs they even knew existed? Let's find out. Today our guest, the lovely Claire Robinson from Chic Happens, had a real flip in her career. So sit down, grab a cuppa and listen how she got there. It's really lovely to see you. I know what a busy, busy woman you are. So I really do appreciate you coming on uh, to talk to us. And the podcast, as you probably no doubt aware, is called Accidental Careers. Um, And what you're doing now, we'll talk about a bit later on, because that's all things fabulous, obviously. But I want (laughs) to kind of take you back to uh, the the real beginning of of, uh, when Claire really first thought about what career she wanted to do. Part of the reason for this podcast is, having children of the age I've got, and I think you've got young boys yourself, um, trying to choose options and uh, kind of what they want to do. They've got no idea. So when when Claire was a little girl at school, what did she want to be? Well, uh, it's it's quite funny, really, Lindsay, to be honest, because um, when I actually got to high school, I turned out to be quite an academic person. But when I was a very little girl, I had one of my older sisters was shiningly academic already. And so I kind of thought I wouldn't be the academic one. I think as young people, we can really pigeonhole ourselves and we have labels attached to us. So I didn't think I would be academic. I didn't think I'd have those career options. And I like messing about with my girls' world, Lindsay, like most little girls do. And I decided I wanted to be a hairdresser. Yeah, I think from looking back, from a very, very early age, I still had a real entrepreneurial streak because I, clear as day, told my mum and she recounts this story all the time that from a very young age we're sat in hairdressers and she was having her hair done and I said mummy I'm going to own a hairdresser's one day I'm going to have a salon but what I'm going to do I'm going to have a hat shop next door so that if for whatever reason the ladies don't like how I've done their hair (laughs) I can sell them a hat in the shop next door. (laughs) I love this so always putting a solution to a potential problem Claire I love it. Yeah yeah and kind of thinking outside the box I'm like you know, uh, uh, hairdressers are actually one of the careers that attracts the most, the, the happiest careers. So maybe I should have done that because they're generally, they, you know, very happy. It's a very happy career to be because you're making women feel amazing about themselves. But I was like, just in case I don't make me feel amazing with the hairdo, <laughs> I sell You can sell hat. them a fabulous hat. I love that. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so you obviously didn't pursue that career. You, you went down yeah. another road. So when you got to high school and you were at the stage, I guess where my girls are now, and and yeah. the pressure is on to say, well, what options do you want to do? What what do you want to be? What do you want to be? What do you want to be? What what path yeah. did you take at that time, Claire? So um, I hope careers um, guidance has come on um, since I was at school because um, when I was at school and I was a little bit at GCSEs and I was choosing my options and so on, um, my careers tutor said with your grades, with your academic grades, you've got two options, either law or medicine. And that was wow. literally how it was put to me, that I had two options. Now, I hate the side blood. <laughs> um, and also, I grew up, and I'm, I'm you know, always very honest about how naive I was, you know, mm. I grew up watching LA Law, and then latterly, <laughs> like, Ali McBeal. And I had this wow. really ill-conceived idea that a career in the law was all high-powered courtroom scenes sexy suits you know saving the world making a big difference and I didn't actually realize that 99% of being a solicitor is actually very mundane it's very stressful it's uh 
you know, it was very long hours, highly pressured, and that, you know, it wasn't how I'd seen it perceived on TV and in film. So, but that was the career that I went down because I was encouraged. And I think, I think, you know, if your daughters just turn around to you and say they wanted to be a solicitor, you'd be like, great, yeah, yeah that's a great career. So yeah. everyone encouraged me. And, you know, it was a hard slog. It was a four-year undergraduate degree. Then it was a year at law school, wow. you know. And to wake up in a career that actually um, I hated. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, so it's, it's, it's funny. And it has come on. I think that, um, you know, the, the careers advice has come on because, you know, the, the, they are a lot more open-minded. And I think the other thing to bear in mind, Claire, is jobs... I didn't know my job existed, which is part of the reason for me kind of uh, wanting this podcast to kind of uh, tell all the youngsters of today, you, you could, there's a million and one things that you can be. Um, what Social media executives didn't exist back then, you know, so um, there's a whole load of host of new careers, but I recall filling in a, a questionnaire and then we all got like a yeah. out answer that said oh you could be a you could yes. be an admin assistant oh great that isn't that <laughs> fancy um and and we kind of looked at it and the, and the options weren't all put in front of us and and uh you know it's great to, to show the the youth of today or the next generation if you like that they can be just a million and one things and you must have really kind of um had some willpower to stick to doing those four or five years studying uh in something that you'd didn't think you wanted to pursue how difficult was that time yeah I mean I think I think I, I was from a young age um I'm very lucky that um I've got I've got like my father's a great role model to me and he um pursued a professional career became qualified as an accountant and then he pivoted and went into business and became an FD and had this fabulous career that he loved and so I, I was lucky I had a role model so yeah. even at times when, you know, I did work experience in law firms and I was like, oh, oh, no, I'm, I'm not mm. sure this is for me. I play, I thought in the long term, whatever happens in my life, it's going to be great to have a professional qualification to fall back on. Yeah. It's going to be great to have the degree, to have the law school qualification to hopefully qualify as a solicitor, which I did. And then whatever happens in life, hopefully my life will pivot and I'll do something that is my passion. But. If I need to pay the mortgage, I've got You've qualifications got and I've got something to fall back on. And that's something yeah. that, you know, I talk to my boys about is about how you can't possibly know as a teenager where you're going to yeah. end up. But you've got oh. to just plot a route that keeps doors open. And by qualifying as a solicitor, it gave me such a great skill set, Lindsay. Yeah, that I of course it did. I could have pivoted into so many different careers and all the confidence it gave me and the skills, the writing skills, the skills of putting together a good argument, you know, attention yeah. to detail, all this kind of stuff is actually applicable to so many careers. And it was just yeah. a case of putting in that groundwork until the, I found the thing that was right for me. Transferable skills. And that's another thing we talk about quite a lot with my girls. You know, it's it's if you if you if you kind of um, gain a skill. Do, you know sales you know I've come from a sales background and if you can sell you can do a lot of other things and that leads into marketing and um talking you know I guess it's one of those yeah. things so they're all skills in their own right and I'm, I'm constantly saying that how long did you practice law for then Claire so I was um you you do like two years as a trainee solicitor so mm -hmm. you the the irony is looking back I would have actually loved to have been an architect but when I looked wow. into qualifying to become an architect it was seven year degree. 
so crikey, I'm not going to want to do seven-year degree. But the reality is I did a four-year law degree. I did a year at law school. And then I did two years in you know, training. So it took me seven years to get there. It's anyway, the same length of time. Yeah. Um, anyway, post-qualification, I was a solicitor for around five years. Um, and I was really deeply unhappy, really deeply unhappy. I really didn't enjoy my job. But what I was very fortunate to do is I always kept my eyes open to other options. And Mm -hmm. I was um, asked to be a guest lecturer at law school in Manchester. And I absolutely loved it. I loved it. I loved engaging with the students. Um, And then then they then approached me and asked me if I wanted to become a full-time lecturer. And you can only lecture on the LPC at law school if you are a solicitor with five years post-qualification experience. So I, I hit the criteria yeah. and um, and I moved into doing that and I absolutely loved it, Lindsay. And I would still be there now, literally. I would never have taken my other career pivot. I would still be there lecturing because I loved it so much other than um, I came back from my third maternity leave and literally day one, you couldn't write it, day one of returning from a third maternity leave. You know, you're a bit nervous and you're a bit unsure yeah, of course, about, you know, yeah. what you're back in. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. No, you're right. Nothing fits. <laughs> and um, yep. and uh, and we got all got summoned to the boardroom for some exciting news. And um, always a bit worried about those um, announcements, aren't you? And the announcement was that we'd been yeah. bought at by an American university, and as a result, our flexible working was going to be seriously curtailed. Now. Ooh. Pretty much everyone who was teaching at the law school was there for the flexible working. You know, we could earn twice the income in practice as a solicitor. We were there because we had young families and we wanted the flexibility. So at that yeah. point, that forced me to pivot again. <laughs> um, and and so I did. And was tell me about the timing of that, because I, I think I discovered you in your new um, in your new guise uh, around lockdown. Is that is that the, is that the kind of was that the timing? Um, no, this was actually um, this was a couple of years before lockdown. And okay. So I had between so between leaving the law school and launching my now business, I had um, I like to call it a kind of um, what's the best way of describing it? It was like a baby business. So I became a, a stylist for an American jewelry brand. So you are your you you buy your own business and you are your own mm-hmm. boss. But you have the comfort and security of being a part of a big brand. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, you get a business in a box. So a lot okay. of the kind of the marketing's done for you. The You know, you can get help with this, you can get help with that. So it yeah. was a great way for me to test the waters and see, can I sell? I mean, I don't have sales background like you, Lindsay. You know, can I sell? Um, I, can I manage my own time? Can I be my own boss? Because I'd always been employed. And it's a yeah. very different, uh, very. very different job, and so I did that and found that I absolutely thrived. So I became the kind of I was the second highest salesperson in Europe, and I was number one in Europe for team building. And I realised actually I do have it in me to have my own business, it. yeah. And that gave me the confidence to then launch the business that I now have. Okay, and that started off very differently though to how it looks today. Yes, 100%. Yeah, 100%. So um, so the idea, my idea for the business came because when I was selling jewellery, when I was selling the jewellery brand, it was a jewellery brand with Stella and Dot, everyone wanted to know about the clothes that I was wearing and how I'd styled okay. the jewellery with the clothes. Um, and I found that I wasn't actually like good at styling. Like I really loved, you know, I love, I've always loved clothes. 
yeah. not in the kind of vacuous size eight catwalk trend led stuff not that i mean that like genuinely clothes are armor and i know if i wear the right clothes then i put out a different aura i'm more confident i'm more happier and i have better outcomes you know it just yeah. it's what we wear really does impact our confidence our happiness and and what happens in our day-to-day life so but what i'd found was I seriously lost my style mojo when I became a mum, Lindsay. Like, I literally was like, what do I do now? Like, I can't Been wear there. the sharp suits and the stiletto heels. I'm going to baby massage. What do I wear? <laughs> and um, yeah. and I, I, love it. I lovingly refer to it now as the Bowden years because um, a Bowden catalogue landed on my doorstep. And I kind of looked at it and went, oh, okay, uh, now I'm a mum, yeah. I need to wear a, a Breton striped T-shirt and a brightly coloured raincoat. <laughs> um, wow. and, and, you know, I love I love that look and I'm not knocking it, but it wasn't really my look. So anyway, no. I found my way back to my sense of style because I just am passionate about it and I love it. But the idea of my business born out of this fact that born, was born out of this fact there's so many women who don't can't find their style mojo they either can't find it in the first place or they can't rediscover it after something life-changing like having a child going through the menopause you know um losing a loved one having a a big illness and so Mm. i thought you know how how can kind of help in that regard because i'm sure you'll have had this experience Lindsay. you know the high street is very sadly dying you know you walk into a high street store no one offers you styling help no one helps find the right thing for you yeah, they don't have the resources. So then I'd resort to shopping online. And shopping online for me was even harder. Like nothing arrived looking like it looked like on the website. No, And true. I had a growing pile of parcels, felt despondent. So this idea, business idea sprung from, if I am passionate about helping women feel their very best, how can I create a business that will enable women to shop confidently online Um and get clothes that's right for their body shape, their lifestyle, and, you know, what they're missing in their wardrobe. So I started out on my kitchen table, um, and I did my first live uh, balanced on my bed, (laughs) in my bedroom. These were great. Uh, These Facebook lives were great. I remember them. Absolutely. (laughs) I was like, doing how to style a poncho five different ways. But, um, uh, and it, it grew from there, and I think, what's amazing about how businesses nowadays you really can like back in my, my father's my dad's day when he did his yeah. business you had to have bricks and mortar premises you had to have a big amount of money to set up your business you know yeah. I literally got a free app on my phone and did it all through that and it just grew Brilliant. and grew and grew from there um, and you know that's an amazing thing that's available to everybody nowadays it's fabulous. But for the listeners who don't know, what's the name of this business? Yeah, sorry, I should have said by now, shouldn't I? So the business is <laughs> the, the business is called Chic Happens, and it's a cheeky little play on words. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of you know something not so nice happening, chic can happen. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, we we started off doing uh, solely women's wear, and the idea behind it was that to give women. That every single thing that we sell, we do a style video for it and we make it clear whether it's going to suit you if you're a, an apple shape, if you're a pear shape, if you are curvy, if you're flat chested. We, we do all of that and then we show different ways to wear it, ways to wear it casually, ways to wear it more formally, um, how to wear it if you're a particular body shape. And it's enabling women 
to shop with confidence online. And that works. Like literally, we started off, you know, day one and the community just grew and grew and grew and grew. And before we knew it, we were shipping parcels all over the world from my kitchen table. And it was amazing. I think one of the things that I noticed during that period of time when I first discovered Chic Happens, when it was the Facebook Lives, and it kind of was, I think, was lockdown, is the sense of community, Claire. I don't think you give that enough kind of uh, credit. It's, you know, those those women look to you almost now for advice, don't they? Does this look nice? And and what I also notice about that group, which um, fills my heart with joy, is watching women share pictures of themselves in said clothes that wouldn't have necessarily shared a picture before. So I see lots of that in there. You know, I wasn't going to send this picture, but I feel great in this dress. And it's a real... Um, you know, it's it, it's it's uplifting to see that group and you must get a real sense of pride out of that. Oh, huge, Lindsay. I, I can't tell you. It's I feel like we've created a safe space for women. So mm, it's good, in that yeah. group, it's a closed group just for women so people can share. And I've, I've, I've run out of count of how many women have shared the first ever photograph of themselves anywhere yeah. in that group. And everyone's so lovely. And it's amazing because... Somebody shares a photograph of themselves in that dress and everyone shares their like positive vibe about it, which is lovely for the person who shared it. From a business perspective, it's incredible because people see me in something and go, yeah, that's great, but I'm not sure I'd look great in it. Whereas if people of all different shapes and sizes, people slimmer yeah. than me, people larger than me, every, every body shape model, women who are shorter than me, women who are taller than me, everyone shares their picture and they go, oh, it's going to look great on I me can, too. I can wear it, yeah. yeah. And, and you yeah. are very, very open and honest in that group as well, which I think is a really another really good point. We see a lot of online businesses. We see a lot of shiny Instagram. We see a lot of un on kind of um n- not reality shall we say out there we think our mm. life should should look that way um and i've seen some classic posts from you over the past few weeks where you know you've got drenched getting in the car and you've done it's a quite it's quite a real personable group which is i think why those women feel like it's a safe space which is uh, hats off to you for that because it's uh it's what we need as women of today which is really good i, I think i think it's i think it's really important because especially in the world of Instagram, everything's polished and filtered and women look at themselves in the mirror and think they're the only ones with lumps and bumps and cellulite stretch marks. Whereas I literally, I don't know, two or three weeks ago when we first got the hot weather, it was the bravest post I've ever done. I shared a photograph of myself in my swimming costume. And I basically was like, right, you see me in my clothes and think I look good in anything. This is my actual real body. Look at the cellulite, look at the stretch marks, look at the lumps and bumps. It's just I know how to dress. (laughs) And yeah. how to dress and cover those things and compact the best bits. And it got the most lovely, warm reception from everyone saying, God, I feel so much better. I've been hating myself in this hot weather. And now I've realised yeah. I can I can still look good. And it's fine. It's just really yeah. important that we're honest with each other. Yeah, no, that's honestly, it's 10 out of 10 from me for that, I would say, absolutely. But you had this, uh, Facebook was going great, you were doing your lives, you were getting busier, Claire, the parcels were piling up at your door, um, <laughs> and then something else happens, yet another pivot, same business, but you uh, tell the listeners what happened next. Yeah, so having been all about online sales and online community, um, my house was drowning, like literally, you had to walk like a crab to get through the hallway um, <laughs> because past all the boxes and we had which i'm sure your husband living. loved yeah the flat the, the actual flash moment came Lindsay, where i came off a of facebook live one night and i wanted into the kitchen and my husband was making a smoked haddock risotto and i was like oh, 
you can't cook fish. The clothes might smell of fish. And he just lost <laughs> it and went, I, I could cook whatever I want in my own house. And at that point, I was yeah. like, we need to get premises. So we were looking at premises just for the online business. But what I noticed increasingly was women really wanted to come and try on the things in person. They wanted styling in person. So yeah. we decided to open up a bricks and mortar store. Um, I, I genuinely initially thought we would just capture local people. And um, we're based in Trolley in Lancashire. And I thought we would just catch people from Lancashire. Um, however, within our first two months of opening, we had people come from Aberdeen, Bournemouth, Cardiff. Women drove five, six hours. They made a weekend of it. Wow. Because such is the community um, yeah. that they they wanted to do that. So, um, yeah, so we opened this bricks and mortar premises. We literally opened, I rented my first place. I rented it and within three days we realised it was too small. So we rented a second unit. Um, so we had two units and we, we had that for two years. It was quite tricky because I was running between unit and unit all the time. Yeah. And they weren't quite big enough. So this time last year, we opened up a, a three-story building in the centre of Trolley, which I'm immeasurably proud of. And it's meant we've been able to diversify. So we're now not just the men's wear, we're women's wear, we're men's wear, we're home wear. We've got a VIP style suite. So all these women who come from a distance or whether they come from Preston or yeah and um, they can get personally styled in a beautiful style suite um and it's yeah i'm really proud of it and what i think i'm the most proud of is that building had been empty for eight long years in Chorley. wow that's amazing in Chorley. Yeah. and and the and the the premises next door to it had also been empty so we bought the building we've covered the front of it with flowers so beautiful we've made it all beautiful and I got contacted by three separate estate agents who all said, you will no idea how many more people are now interested in the empty buildings on Market Street since you opened. And that is fantastic. You so must feel happy. really proud of that. Yeah, because, you know, it, high streets are unfortunately not in a good place. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we talk about destination pubs don't we where we would travel to yes. go to because the food's yes. so good and they've got a michelin star or whatever now you you are a destination boutique by the sounds of it oh well well hopefully but what i love is that you know now the building next to ours in Chorley that had been empty for as long is now a thriving nail bar and what's wow. really important is it's breathing life into the high street because what Listen. what people i think lose sight of is the high street for many people is their community there's certain yeah. people who it's the only people they might see in a week is who they see when they mm. go down the high street. And if we lose that, we lose the community. And loneliness is at epidemic levels in this country. Yeah. And it's really important. You know, we have and we have customers. I have one customer who comes into the shop every single day, might buy from us once a week, but comes in every single day to say hello, have a chat. And we get the impression it's the, we're the only person they speak to. The only people. Um, oh. it's, 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 it's a really nice um, way to be a part of the local community yeah and it, and it, and if all of that wasn't keeping you busy enough did I see that you were on the road recently tell us about what you were doing there <laughs> yeah so um uh flash to rewind to um 2019 and I I really love Gok Wan the tv stylist a lot of you yes. know, what I do with women is what he's done with women I you know grew up watching him doing it and I really admire him so I went as a paying guest to his fashion show in um, Blackpool and I went to go to the ladies' toilet at the interval and I walked past his production crew and a member of his production crew said, oh, I love that dress. Is it Dolce & Gabbana? And thankfully I was quick enough to say, no, it's, uh, it's Chic Happens. Have you heard of Chic Happens? Knowing full well. 
literally never heard of them. Shameless um, plug, I love it. Yeah, she was like, oh no, what shit happens. So I told her about what we're about, and we're about building women's confidence and helping them find the star mojo, finding the right armour. She said, oh my God, this is all golf. I said, exactly, I'm hugely inspired by him. So she said, give me a business card. I didn't think anything would come of it. Um, an hour after the event ended, um, she emailed me to say she'd spoken to Gok and he wanted me to join the rest of his national tour, styling the catwalk wow. and doing the makeover, which is just amazing. Like to play in close makeover. So he does the makeover because he's the he's the he's, he's the Gok. But yeah. as in, you know, he could choose our clothes. So we went on tour with Gok and it was a massive success and our business wow. exploded off the back of it. Like we still have massive pockets of customers in all the towns that we visited. Anyway, after lockdown, Gok's gone all isolation nation and he's more into his DJing now. Yes, <laughs> but the of same course. production company wanted to do a national tour. So they're doing a national tour called Lunch and Lax, which is a lot of their loose women. And they wanted, yeah. um, so in 2021, they asked me to do the fashion element of it, which I did. I did three cities, but only three cities. And then they approached me at the start of this year to say they were doing the same thing in 18 cities. They'd had their pre-production meeting and the loose women had agreed that when I was there doing the fashion element, it was the best content that they had in any venues. They wanted me to come, but they wanted me to do all 18 cities. Wow. <laughs> Which is wow. amazing. I know. It's so incredible. <laughs> so what Thank are you going to do to relax this year? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or when, when are you going to... Given the fact I moved house two months ago. As, as yes, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Give myself an easy time. Now, I'm, I'm definitely somebody who relaxes by doing stuff, and it's a good job, right? <laughs> yeah, isn't it just imagine? So that tour has started, because I've seen you on the road. How many cities have you done so far? Yeah, so it was originally scheduled to do all 18 cities in the springtime, but sadly, um, there was an issue with some of the mem- key members of the production crew who had severe illness in their family. So it's been moved. So we did the Scottish dates, and then the rest all start at the beginning of September, and we've got wow. 16 cities that we're visiting. Several are in the northwest. We're going to Manchester, Liverpool, um, Blackpool um, in the northwest. But we're also going all over the country. We're going to Scotland. We're going to Essex. We're going to Wales. All over. You'll have to let me know when you're coming to Liverpool, centre of the universe, obviously, so I can be there. Uh, absolutely. In fact, I know the day off the top of my head. It's the first. Oh, I'm writing it down. First of October. Okay. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. Uh, It's fantastic, Claire. And I'm only glad that I've got you to do this podcast now because I would never have got you if it gets past September. I would never get you sitting still for uh, 30 minutes. But listen, if the listeners want to have a look at the shop, obviously they can come and see your Market Street in Chorley. But how can they find you online? Just give us the details of your web Instagram etc it's just uh it's chic the website is chichappens.co.uk and on Facebook if you search chic happens the business page that will come up first of all but what you really want to do on Facebook is check chic happens within groups and that gets you into that women only group where we do all the Facebook lives all the giveaways all the styling videos that's where all the fun happens on Instagram it's chic happens style Um, and yeah you can find us on all those platforms fantastic well i encourage any women listening to this podcast to join that group right away because it's a it's a laugh if nothing else and i'm sure you'll find some (laughs) fabulous things to wear claire i can only thank you again for your time tonight have a lovely rest of the week thank you so much wonderful story thank you so much claire and you are an inspiration what a lovely lovely attitude and what a lovely tribe of women that you have around you i love to see this female empowering each other it's fantastic 
If you want to get involved, Chic Happens on Facebook. Follow Claire also on Instagram. You'll see lots of inspiration. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Claire. And if you enjoyed the podcast, can I say again, please, please leave us a review, follow and subscribe. Thank you all again for listening.